This is the All Into Clemson Football Podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of the Clemson Tigers. What's up, everybody? Briley here, and thank you for joining me for this playoff semifinal playoff game preview episode that's a mouthful but listen i'm glad you're here this is a fun and exciting week for clemson we've been waiting all year we i mean we've been talking about how the acc uh schedule was really sort of a warm-up for this time and now we're finally here and uh let's hope that we can get that lsu loss i'm sorry to bring that up now but let's let's hope we can get that national championship loss the bad taste from that game out of our mouth this year and of course we're going to be playing Ohio State on Friday. So that's a great way uh, to do it. To start this playoff journey is to take on Ohio State. And we've got some fun stuff for you today. In today's episode, like I said, we got some fun stuff. The first thing that we are going to do is we are going to talk to Carter, my co-host. He's not here today. And I'll tell you why. It's because Christmas was here. So he's been distracted. But more importantly, he just got engaged like a month ago or so. And he is out in California right now, San Francisco, with his fiance. And as you can imagine, he's got more important things on his mind. And that's fine. But I'm a little annoyed at him right now because this is kind of like, I don't know, one of the most important weeks of the season uh, for our podcast, first of all, but also for Clemson in general. So I was hoping to have my co-pilot here to help me uh, bring you some good content. But no, he's in California right now, a little busy. So we're going to call him in just a second. He's he's <laughs> taking a few minutes out of his day for us. And uh, I'm hoping he's taking a few more than a few minutes out of his day for us because I'm playing a little trick on him. And I'll tell you about that here in a second. So after we talk to Carter, uh, we're going to have Tim May on the podcast. And Tim is an awesome. It was super fun. I interviewed him already. And uh, he provided some great insight into this uh, rematch uh, from last year's Fiesta Bowl. Tim spent 42 years at the Columbus Dispatch uh, before moving over to Letterman Row, which is where he is now. And he's also the host of the Tim May podcast. He, I listened to the last couple episodes he's put out. Great stuff. You should go check that out if you want. After you listen to this episode, if you are looking for some more uh, information and uh, you know even more of a preview on this matchup, you should go check out his podcast, the Tim May podcast. He knows a ton about Ohio State football, and he does a great job. When he comes on, when he came on to talk to me, we talked about obviously this matchup on Friday, but also sort of the rivalry and the bad feelings and the bad blood between Clemson and Ohio State. And I asked him how the Buckeyes feel about our man Dabo Sweeney. And little, <laughs> little spoiler, they don't like him at all. So <laughs> he gives a, he gives us a little insight into that. And then finally, we will close out the episode by discussing. If Dabo has done a good job of embracing the villain role, I think, uh, well, we'll talk about it. I won't give you my opinion yet. We'll also talk about Trevor Lawrence's new, uh, almost confirmed, really, destination in the NFL. And we'll talk about a little bit more as well in a round of Clemps in or Clemps out. Of course, our favorite game. We will close out the episode that way. So let's go ahead now and talk to Carter. Okay, so here's a little background to the, to the, uh, the joke I'm playing on Carter, my co-host. And like I said, he's in California right now. They're staying in San Francisco, uh, which is beautiful, I'm sure. And of course, you know that as we were all sort of expecting that Clemson would be playing in the Rose Bowl, right? Because we thought Alabama would be playing in the Sugar Bowl against Notre Dame. Well, the committee did their committee thing and they reversed things. So uh, I wanted to play a trick on Carter because I know he's not paying attention. I know he's not paying attention. 
And <laughs> so I am trying, I'm, I'm deciding right now. The joke is, is that I have sent him fake media passes and fake parking tickets and and all I've I really went all out for this actually I spent a stupid amount of time on it but it's going to be funny if it paid off uh but I made all those things and told him that I gave him I got him a pass to go uh to the media days today uh and to um just visit the stadium check it out and of course the tigers aren't there uh, and there's really no media days going on, so he'll be even dumber if he believes this, of course. But I think we'll get him. So it's a six-hour trip from San Francisco to Pasadena. So I want to see how little he's been paying attention. To, first of all, did, does he even know that that Clemson is not playing in the Rose Bowl? And uh, if he doesn't, how stupid is he to think that I was able to get media passes for a non-media day at the Rose Bowl? So. Trevor, are we getting close? Okay, Trevor's getting giving me the go ahead right now that we may have Carter that we do have Carter on the line with us right now. So, Carter, can you hear me? Yeah, sure can, Brad. How's it going? Good, man. How's uh, how's Cali these days? Oh, I tell you what, it is fantastic. I am glad and very thankful that you trust you've trusted me with this assignment to uh, come out here and cover our uh, Clemson Tigers in person. Uh, oh man! Tell you what, I'm excited about this experience here at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it's one of those things. I'm actually walking to it right now. I've, I've <laughs> really? I'm a little disappointed. A little disappointed that you only sprung for a little bit cheaper parking tickets. I got like a couple <laughs> miles to walk. Uh, I'm sorry about but that. But I'm heading that way. All right, good. Well, I mean, it's probably only like a five minute walk, so so you'll be okay. But I mean, how have the Clemson fans been down there? Have you have you met any? Have you seen any? You know what? Surprisingly, I haven't. Um, I know our fan base does travel pretty well, um, at least from what I've heard. I've never actually experienced it myself. <laughs> um, sorry for all this background noise. I'm, there's a lot of traffic out here. It's great weather to be walking and everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure it's uh, beautiful in Pasadena these days. Yeah, uh, but no, I haven't actually seen any Clemson fans, actually. <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. I don't know. Maybe it is a couple of days before the game. So uh, maybe they're just not out these days. So true. That might be the reason. Yeah. Okay. Well, instead of listening to you walk all the way to the stadium, we'll let you do that. And in the meantime, let me share some news with our listeners and then we'll check back in with you. Uh, Balen Spector has announced that he's going to return next year. That's great news for this Tigers defense. He said that he uh, would like to get one more year of film in before he makes the jump to the NFL. So he is going to be taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility handed down by the NCAA due to uh, the unusual circumstances of COVID this season. So that's going to be uh, that's really a great get for the Tigers and the defense to have his leadership back next year. Uh, But sticking with this year and really more important news to uh, the Tigers this year is that Xavier Thomas, who was, of course, out during the ACC championship game and Devil revealed that that was due to uh, the fact that he was in protocols. Now, we assume that's COVID-19 protocols. And as we know, Xavier struggled and uh, he contracted COVID in the offseason and really had some health uh, issues during that time and had just gotten, you know, worked his way back into the rotation and felt like he was back on track. Uh, So hopefully... We're hoping that he'll be back on Friday. Davo said that they won't know until Friday or he they're not probably more uh, correctly. They're not going to reveal until Friday morning the availability of um, Xavier Thomas and, and everyone else who's who's sort of um, 
questionable for the game. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that uh, until Friday. Let's pray that he is doing okay these days, but uh, that's important to keep an eye on. So uh, I assume you can see the stadium by now, right? Uh, not quite yet. I've got to turn around the corner because I told you we were pretty far off, <laughs> okay. uh, but I'm coming up on a turn here. Hopefully the stadium should be right here. All right. Well, good. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I would hope so. Um, you know, I'm sure it's going to be packed and busy. So, I, I mean, I told you to go straight up to the press box, you know, and, and up to the gate there and they'll of course greet you and you'll just show them the little, you know, the thing that I emailed you. Yes. I got the email right here and Okay, I, I'm ready. I've got my, uh, lanyard with mine i even printed my own name oh you're wearing the lanyard all right that's right good so (laughs) i'm ready to show them at the gate i'm ready to go all right good So, uh, and there's the stadium right there oh beautiful beautiful wow okay if only you could see this this is great (laughs) i do wish i could see it absolutely (laughs) you're so lucky i'm so thankful you think i'm out of you think i'm out of breath from walking for as far as i I did, but I'm actually out of breath. I'm just seeing the stadium and I'm just in awe right now. <laughs> All right. All right. Give me a break. That's enough. Okay. So, so how far are you away <laughs> from the stadium? I mean, is it getting busier or, you know, are there people around or what? Uh, there, I mean, there's a decent amount of people here. Um, I don't know if this is busy for uh, a day or two before the Rose Bowl uh, type of busy, but there's a few people out here. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's good. Uh, I'm not the best at describing that, what I see. Oh, well, exactly. I see. It sounds like you're crossing the street right now. That's good. Yeah, we're, we're crossing the street right now to head over to the stadium. All right. Now, I don't see, for some reason, I don't see any gates set up for security or anything. Are you sure I'm at the right gate? <laughs> Let me see. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm sure. Just go up to the gate. Give it a little knock, and I, I, you have you have your pass, you have your lanyard on, so you should be good to go. Yes, I am walking up right now, and first off, the stadium is massive, uh, but I'm a little confused right now as to why <laughs> there's no one here to take my ticket. There's no one at the gate, huh? Hello, anybody here? <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess now anybody. would be the time for me to tell you that you're a complete idiot. You're a total idiot. <laughs> Uh, and why is that? <laughs> Clemson is playing in the Sugar Bowl, you moron, not the Rose Bowl. I'm, what? I t- no, <laughs> don't play it. No, seriously. You could go look it up. They're in New Orleans. They're going to be traveling to New Orleans in a couple of days. And I didn't think you'd be so stupid to fall for this. But yeah, I'm playing a trick on you because you haven't been prepping for this for this episode at all. <laughs> all right. We might need to end this phone call before I say things that shouldn't go on air. Are you serious? I came all the way out here. I'm California. 100% serious. And you you legitimately bought these tickets for me to get out here? <laughs> no, I didn't like, buy What did you spend money on? <laughs> what am I holding in my hand right now then? <laughs> They're fake tickets. I doctored them up, you idiot. <laughs> oh, my God. So I hope you've enjoyed your family time, but uh, I hope you also enjoy your 12-hour round trip to Pasadena. <laughs> well i hate you <laughs> all right well we'll see you next week okay <laughs> yeah sure and i'll i'm gonna go to the championship game now too right oh uh, yeah i don't think yeah in pasadena <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right oh buddy. my goodness i hate you so much <laughs> okay. all right i can't believe this talk to you later all right see you later <laughs> oh my gosh 
Well, that was worth it in my opinion. At least all the extra time I put in. Uh, <laughs> I just don't even know what to say. I don't know what to do with him sometimes. Maybe I need to find a new co-host. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sure after this, I don't even want to know what he's saying right now off air. So we could just uh, laugh at him right now. And uh, we'll go ahead and move into the Tim May interview. But first, I do want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Fanatics. And you know that by now that we have been sponsored by Fanatics for the last month or so, and they've done a great job of offering great discounts to our listeners on all the uh, Clemson material and paraphernalia that you would ever want. And if you didn't get that special tiger in your life, some Clemson gear for the holidays, then listen, it's not too late. Uh, Fanatics is still having some great sales going on. So the easiest way for you to take advantage of those sales and to get some great Clemson gear is to click the link in either the podcast app that you are listening to this podcast in or on our website. You can find it. It says in the show notes, get a great deal on Clemson gear here. And if you click the link on here, it'll take you straight to the Clemson gear on the Fanatics website at the great deals that they're having. So go check that out for sure. And you can shop while you listen now to the interview that I had with Tim May from Letterman Row. Pumped to have Tim May from Letterman Row here with us now. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Hey, I'm looking forward to it, Bradley. Cool, me too. Tell me, what has this season been like for you all covering uh, Ohio State? At first, we didn't think there was going to be a season, and then you know the Big Ten and all the issues that they've been having. What's what's it been like? It's probably been very unusual to say the least. Like going through a like going through a big city uh, where you don't get any of the green lights. <clears throat> you know, you go from one red light to another and uh, and then you get going and then you stop and then you get going and you stop and you almost you go through one red light. This is just turning yellow. <clears throat> and then finally, you know, you get to where you are, you know, six games into the year undefeated. Ohio State, as you well know, was be, expected to be one of the top three or four teams in the country, uh, whether it is some coaches out there, at least one coach out there doesn't think Ohio State is worthy of uh, being where it is at the moment. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But, uh, you know, most of the other coaches voted Ohio State in the top three or four, uh, you know, and and uh, but really right now, I mean, most most people I know everybody who covers Ohio State and uh, and maybe even the guys who are coaching Ohio State like Ryan Day, they're wondering just how good this team really is, because you've only got six uh, pieces of evidence uh, to show it, you know, and uh, uh, but it's a team that you think could be better than it was the last time you saw it uh, uh, when when it's coming up on Friday night against Clemson. So we'll see. But, yeah, it's been really weird. I mean, they lost all of all but two practices in spring. Uh, a lot of key positions they had to refill uh, where guys had to kind of learn on the fly. They've got, you know, new defensive coordinator, et cetera, and Kerry Combs. Uh, so, you know, right on down the line, there have been a lot of uh, a lot of question marks about this team from the start that really have not been totally answered. And of course, then COVID came along. I'm talking about COVID as in in the season and caused three games to get uh, to be canceled. And and so uh, the Buckeyes are where they are in the college football playoff, where a lot of people thought they would be <laughs> uh, anyway. And uh, now comes your chance to prove yourself. That's right. Not the path that they were expecting, I'm sure, but they're, the result is the same. So let's go ahead and hop into that that Dabo Ryan Day Ohio State Clemson rivalry that's all of a sudden popped up. 
Uh, Dabo has seemed to zone in on the fact that Ohio State has only played six games. And like that's sort of an unfair advantage, he says. And I tend to disagree with him because uh, I think the 6-0 and Clemson is probably a little different than the whatever they are now, 11-0 and Clemson. Like teams generally, championship teams improve especially beyond the midseason to the end of the season. And so even maybe some of the benefits that Ohio State has from not playing health-wise, not playing a full season, is probably overshadowed by the fact that they don't maybe have the same sort of chemistry that the Clemson team's team has. Do you agree with that? Do you think uh, Dabo is overblowing uh, this quote-unquote advantage? And I guess maybe you could just tell us, what do people in Columbus think of Dabo Sweeney in general? I can't imagine they have a very high opinion of the man right now. Well, Debo Sweeney saying that Ohio State is 6-0, and that it's only played six games, is like me looking at the sun and saying, the sun is hot. You know, <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, there's no changing it. The interesting part of the idea that uh, Clemson has played, is, you know, has played, what, 11 games? I'm, I'm, I'm losing the number now, 10 or 11 games. Well, during that time, what people are forgetting is Clemson had a chance to make up for a loss, you know? They lost at Notre Dame. Yeah, they didn't have uh, Trevor Lawrence, and that's a that's a big uh, absence. Uh, but they did score a lot of points. They got a lot of points scored on them. So the fact that uh, Clemson got to make up uh, for a loss is is as key here as Ohio State being six and zero. The way I look at it, and because uh, we all know if Clemson lost to Notre Dame, Clemson, in my opinion, likely would not have been in the playoff. Texas, Texas A, uh, Dabo's beloved Texas A and M probably would have been in the playoff. So uh, the way things broke down, you know, who knows what the committee was really thinking, but the great thing is it's like when people ask me, well, you know, what do you think about Dabo, you know, saying this and the other, I said, you know, man, he's entitled to say what he wants to say. Number one, number two, you like a guy who speaks his mind. And number three, I remember when uh, Robert Smith was at Ohio state and he, and he left after one season, but then came back at a spat with the uh, coaching staff and stuff. And, I had somebody in the media say, you know, Robert Smith talks too much. And I go, wait a minute, we're in the media. I, I, you're in the media. How could you say somebody talks too much? It's good you know? for business. So, yeah. So what that's done is that's given us uh, fodder. You know, I mean, uh, during this this whole week and a half buildup, you know, the strangest, uh, the strangest buildup to a college football playoff game of all time, the shortest buildup. And uh, it has been able to uh, – peak interest, I think, in this game because, you know, Dabo is sitting there kind of like a guy playing uh, Texas Hold'em, you know, he's got three cards in front of him, which shows, uh, I'm talking about since he's been the Clemson head coach show, showing Clemson beating Ohio State by hook or crook. And, uh, and of course, Clemson is 4-0 against Ohio State lifetime. And some of those have been devastating. Those have been devastating losses. One of them cost Woody Hayes his job. Uh, the next one cost Braxton Miller. Uh, That's the last time Braxton Miller ever played quarterback at Ohio State or anywhere else. And then, of course, in 2016, the 31 to zero uh, shutout of a Urban Meyer team. I think that's only the second shutout Urban Meyer ever suffered as a head coach. Might have been the first. I get those I lose a lot of that lore, you know, when you start thinking about. There were Utah many of them in Bowling Green. Oh yeah, no, he was all about offense. If he scored 100. He was going to score 100. And then, of course, we know what happened last year when, yeah, Clemson made some plays, but also Ohio State had some plays taken away from it, uh, not the least of which was that uh, strip and scoop scoop and score, which to this day 
there's never been a uh, an explanation that uh, that explains that gaffe by the uh, reviewing uh, officials. I think there were Southeastern Conference officials that took away that strip and score. Uh, but uh, bottom line is, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of blood in the water already with this rivalry, and D- D- Dabo just added a few more drops. Yeah, and he uh, he's been doing that a lot more recently. I think it's uh, he's kind of taken on the villain role, which is unusual because I don't know five six years ago he was kind of the the funny guy, the nice guy who was knocking off the Alabama Death Star, and now he's sort of become a Death Star himself. And and yeah. uh, I don't know, it's it's kind of a weird change of uh, it's unusual. We don't know what to do with it here, so uh, we're kind of liking it well, though. It does thing. make it. No, more- let me interrupt you, bro. He, he he's gone from the underdog, you know, the Clemsoning stuff, you know. Now Clemsoning. Oh, that's a bad means, word. Got to be careful with that. Kicked. I know. Now, now Clemsoning <laughs> means you're getting your butt kicked by Clemson. You know, that's what that's that's what Clemsoning has gone <laughs> has gone from this to that. And uh, Ohio State has been Clemsoned four times, you know, and uh, wants to put a stop to it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But but yeah, it's kind of as, as I said, uh, you know. Like I said, I grew, you know this. I grew up an Alabama fan, you know, so I know as much about you know Alabama probably as even uh, Dabo Sweeney does, even though he played there and was a you know uh, was on the coaching staff there at GA. But my point was, uh, uh, you know, he was a walk on there. He had to prove himself, and walk ons always kind of walk around with a chip on their shoulder, even when they're done. You know, I mean, even when they've earned a scholarship. Uh, uh, and uh, Dabo's kind of done that. He he got the head coaching job at Clemson. Everybody's going, what? Uh, who? Who? Wait a minute. Who'd you name his interim head coach? You know, <laughs> yeah. he's proven himself. He's proven himself. But the great guys, they're always looking for that edge. And uh, one yeah. way or the other, if there isn't one. They will create one. So uh, he's pretty good at creating an edge one way or the other. Yes. And he's been doing that for a few years now. So it's, I don't know, it just makes it more fun. I, I'm kind of, I'm very excited for this game as obviously I'm a Clemson fan. So I'm ex- I'd be excited for it no matter what, but uh, I think this is definitely the game that more people are interested in uh, compared to the Alabama Notre Dame game. So let's go ahead and talk about this game. Can you give us an update on the availability of the players who missed the big 10 championship game? Are they going to be back in time for Friday? Well, the most important thing is, is, um, Justin Fields, who hurt his thumb in that uh, Northwestern game, he says his thumb is going to be good to go by Friday. So there you go on that. You know what that means. Uh, I guess we'll find out in the first quarter. Uh, Chris Olave is expected to be back. Uh, he had to miss that game. We, you know, I know Clemson people remember Chris Olave breaking off his route when he thought uh, Justin Fields was scrambling on that last play from scrimmage for Ohio State last year. And uh, Nolan Turner suddenly becoming a household name in Clemson uh, circles. Of course, Nolan Turner, which is ironic, Nolan Turner is going to miss the first half of this game. <laughs> yeah. you know? So, you know, take advantage of it while you can. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He did a Sean Wade, I guess, you know, in the second half uh, uh, against Notre Dame. But I digress. Uh, Baron Browning, it's still up in the air. I don't, there's a good chance Baron Browning, the starting strong side linebacker for Ohio State who missed the Clemson game or the Northwestern game might not be available on Friday night because the number of days might not have gone by uh, and uh, maybe and some other backups who were missing in that the Northwestern game might not be available because they got COVID later than Chris Olave it does appear uh, but at Ohio State you know one of those guys might be the starting punter Drew Chrisman but you know Ohio State's backup punter proved to be pretty damn good Zach Hoover so I think they feel like they're in good shape there, but uh, you know, it, 
it, we won't really know probably until Friday morning or Friday afternoon uh, who exactly is missing. But Olavi is expected to be back. And that that's huge news for the Ohio State passing attack. Absolutely. And speaking of the passing attack, last year, it seemed like Ohio State jumped out to that big lead because they went up tempo with the passing game and sort of, I think, surprised Clemson in a way. Um, and so how do you expect Ohio State to attack the Clemson defense early in this game? Are they going to be similar? Uh, I know that the running game has sort of been coming on for Ohio State recently. How do you expect the early part of this matchup to look like? Well, if you remember correctly, last year, too, they had Jay, Ohio State got J.K. Dobbins going too early in that game. And uh, yeah. the mix that they had on offense was excellent. Uh, and uh, the, the point, the, like I said, the fact they didn't push a couple of plays in there when they got in the red zone, just a couple of weird passes uh, cost them there. And the, from building what I thought would have been an insurmountable lead based on the way the Ohio State defense was handling Clemson, except for three or four plays. But I digress. I mean, I think Ohio State's coming off a situation where the passing game definitely uh, was not sharp against Northwestern, to say the least, with Chris Olave missing. And uh, what they did was, like few teams in the country can do, but, you know, Clemson's capable of this. Alabama's capable of this. They went to a big-time running game, went giddy up, and all you, all they all they did was produce 399 yards rushing with Trey Sermon. <laughs> knocking off Eddie George's 25-year-old single-game rushing record for Ohio State. I mean – It's incredible. Talking about, talking about a lot of guys who've toted the rock for Ohio State, and Trey Sermon went for 331, most of it right up the gut on uh, an uh, overmatched Northwestern defensive front, which, if you remember correctly, going into that game, Northwestern had the number one rush defense in the Big Ten and one of the top five in the country. And uh, Trey Sermon, uh, with the help – with a little bit of help of All-American right guard Wyatt Davis, right tackle Nicholas Petit-Frere, uh, Josh Myers, the center, Harry Miller, the left guard, and uh, uh, Thayer Munford, the left tackle, along with the tight ends, Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert especially, they, they just got after it. And so here's the thing about Ryan Day. Ryan Day, in his second year as a head coach, uh, he wants to be – it's not so much balanced. He wants – uh, he wants the ability to strike both both running and throwing the ball. He's not even – it took him a long time in that Northwestern game to just say, okay, mow him down, let's run the ball, let's get out of here, uh, because he was still insistent that Ohio State have some kind of a passing attack going. And obviously Justin Fields had arguably his worst day as a passer for Ohio State in that game. Uh, but then the running-wise – uh, his threat, his threat of being a big time runner like Trevor Lawrence plays huge in that zone zone read option. And uh, but Trey Sermon was the one who benefited the most. Uh, so uh, but who knows who knows what Ryan Day is going to do from the standpoint of uh, uh, it looked like the mix last year against Clemson paid dividends. They would like to have a similar mix, I think, this this Friday night. OK, yeah, we'll be keeping our eyes on that. Let's talk about Justin Fields for a second here. Um, it seems to me that, I mean, obviously he's a great talent. And I remember at the beginning of the season, he had at one point, what, had as many incompletions as he had, uh, what, interception or what was it? I forget the exact. It was like three incompletions. Touchdown pass. Touchdown yeah, there we go. Passes. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was he had, incredible. He had, touchdown passes. he had more touchdown passes than incompletions. Yeah, I, it's insane. And so I remember that talk at the beginning and then the Indiana game came 
and he he struggled a little bit. He threw a few interceptions, and uh, it doesn't it doesn't seem to me from an outsider looking in that he's gained the momentum that he had at the beginning of the season again. And then obviously, as you mentioned, the Northwestern game was probably his worst game. So, what's the confidence level in him right now? What what did Indiana do? What did Northwestern do to maybe cause that, or did it not have anything to do with that? Was it the injury? What what's going on with Justin Fields right now? Indiana, this is an old old football saying, but Indiana was blitzing coming off the bus. <laughs> and uh, I mean, here's the thing. Justin had five plays in that game he'd like to have back. He actually he actually had some big time plays in that game also. Uh, but clearly the the blitz, uh, Indiana is as good a blitzing team and I'm even taking, you know, uh, your beloved Clemson into account here. And other teams, they're, 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 Indiana was as, is as good a blitzing team this year as there is in college football. There is no doubt about it. Womack, their uh, defensive coordinator, had great scheme all year. I mean, they when they beat Michigan, they beat – if you could have switched uniforms, swapped uniforms that day, you would have said that's Michigan beating Indiana, except, the, except Michigan would have been wearing Indiana's uniforms if you follow my drift. <laughs> uh, that discombobulated uh, – uh, Justin on, on on some critical on a few critical plays and he didn't look the same. He got a little frantic for the first time, really as a as a quarterback. But I'll, I'll say this: in between that game and the Northwestern game, I thought he played the game of his college career at at Michigan State. They were missing three starters on the offensive line due to COVID nineteen, and uh, and the primary backup at right tackle was also missing. They went in there with three new starters on the offensive line, guys who had never hardly played at all. And uh, Justin Fields ran and threw whatever it took to get the job done that day. That was as great a performance by an Ohio State quarterback in a tough situation as, as almost I've seen. And I've been covering, been around Ohio State football since 1984 full-time and even before that. But uh, I digress. Bottom line is, yeah, Northwestern, uh, it was clear uh, Justin was not on the same page with his younger receivers, some of whom had to step up with Chris Olave missing. And uh, Ohio State paid the price for that in the passing game. And plus, Northwestern did a pretty good job of blitzing. So, you know, we all know about Brent Venables. Uh, Ohio State fans uh, probably see his picture when they go to sleep every night more than they see Dabo Sweeney because uh, as, <clears throat> as sometimes vulnerable as uh, Clemson has looked this year, especially on defense, they almost, except for that Notre Dame game, uh, the first Notre Dame game, they almost always come up with a play that maybe flips the game or at least uh, a critical play on defense that catches you off guard, et cetera, and turns the game. So uh, uh, that will be the key matchup to watch on Friday night is how Justin Fields and the Ohio State offensive front handle uh, the Brent Venables' uh, unpredictable defense. And I say that, and I'm just thinking back to last year's uh, uh, Fiesta Bowl, you know, the college football playoff semi, I thought I State did a pretty damn good job against them. But the main reason they did was they got their running game going as well as their passing game, stayed giddy up for the most part in terms of uh, a rapid fire offense. And, you know, that was a hell of a game. I don't know if people remember it or oh, not. Yeah. Most, most time you just remember Clemson won, you know, and Ohio State lost, but, uh, there were some great offense and defense played in that game, which is kind of the way it is when you get to these big time games is 
you make a play on this side and then the other team makes a play on that side. And then, you know, you have at it. So, uh, but yeah, seeing how Justin handles what he's seeing uh, on Friday night from uh, the Clemson defense is going to be huge. And that game last year was the last game I remember from last year. Nothing else happened after that, in my opinion. You know, nothing nothing really happened. You didn't watch that championship game when uh, Joe Burrow, former Ohio State quarterback, (laughs) got even for the Buckeyes? I have no idea what you're talking about right now. I have amnesia for that. You know, see that's how good that's how good the quarterback situation is at Ohio State. They have guys go elsewhere and win national championships. Now go ahead. (laughs) That's true. That's true. We we've uh, he definitely got the better of us last year. Let's say that. So, and I expect this year too that Clemson has struggled at times containing mobile quarterbacks. Now they did a good job against Ian Book in the ACC championship, but Ian Book and Justin Fields are on two different levels, in my opinion. And so I think that's that'll be important to watch as well. So just a couple more questions for you before we get you out of here. Um, for me, following up Urban Meyer, I think Ryan Day has been amazing. And uh, I'm sure people in Columbus feel the same way. How important is it for him to win this game, to beat Dabo Sweeney, to get a playoff win and uh, maybe get a little bit of that monkey off the back from uh, losing to, you know, the the Ohio State program in general, even just uh, beating Clemson and Dabo Sweeney? Yeah, you know, I always, always like that question and I'm not making fun of it. I always like that question because, you know, this is two straight years. Uh, Ryan Day has been in the college football playoff. He's in he's, he's in Lincoln Riley territory. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His first yeah. two years as a head coach. He's in the college football playoff. And, uh, you know, it's important, you know, in, in a lot of respects. But but it's mainly it's important to Ryan Day because he wants to win the damn game. I mean, you know, and uh, I'm not sure there's a monkey on his back at all. I mean, uh, at least at this point. I think a lot of people know, just as Debo Sweeney has pointed out, the challenges that Ohio State has faced just trying to get the six games this year has been remarkable. The leadership that Ryan Day has shown from the end of the year last year, well, actually, actually from, the, you know, when he took over as the head coach, but the leadership he's shown through this whole COVID-19 minefield has been remarkable. And, uh, and he and his staff, I mean, continually have just rolled with punches and figured out ways to get their team going. I mean, you know, you think about how hit or miss the last five weeks of the season were, it's crazy. Uh, you're playing a game, then you're not playing a game. And then you, uh, up, you finally get a big win on the can say Michigan State, you know. Well, they may say Michigan State, whatever, whatever voice they would use, but uh, <laughs> Michigan State had just beaten Northwestern and had beaten an unbeaten Northwestern team. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, so my point was that, like I said, I told you the challenge they went up there where they were missing guys on defense too in that game. And they stepped up and made the plays and got it done. And, uh, and then they had their rivalry game taken away from them. Uh, because of uh, Michigan's problems with COVID. Yeah. It's really going to be funny, Bradley. Ohio State in these last two seasons, if this game comes off on Friday night as scheduled, Ohio State will have played Clemson more times in two years than they had played Michigan. (laughs) (laughs) That's how screwed up 2020 has been. But uh, I think he's done a ridiculously good job of keeping this team on the beam. And, uh, with a chance to play for the college football playoff uh, national title. And, you know, I think from here on out, it's gravy one way or the other. He won't look at it that way. I mean, he feels like he said, he'd take this team 
in the battle against anybody in the country, this team. Of course, he's got to, you know, got to say that anyway, right? That's your team. That's yeah, the team yeah. you got. But, uh-huh. uh, but the bottom line is, I don't, I don't know how much he has to prove uh, uh, one way or the other. I mean, Ohio State is kicking butt uh, recruiting-wise, just like Clemson is. I think Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama are still in it for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. And Ryan Day, you mentioned Lincoln Riley, are just a few people who have actually had success after, you know, following a legend uh, of sorts. And so, yep. he, I mean, he's he's done a great job. Absolutely. Tommy Bowden? So, Is Tommy Bowden a legend? <laughs> no. no. Huh? Uh, yeah, I don't Dabo. think so. No. Hey, here's the thing about Dabo. Uh, Danny Ford, I mean, I'm, you know, we all remember Ohio State's, uh, well, like I said, Woody Hayes' last game was against Clemson in that 78 Gator Bowl. Uh, but Danny yeah. Ford, you know, uh, took him to a national championship. But the thing at Dabo has taken it to another level, has taken Clemson football to another level, just like oh, yeah. Saban took Alabama football. I mean, I grew up an Alabama fan, but, you know, and Bear Bryant, you know, whatever. But they didn't have the playoffs back then, man. You didn't have to play for yourself. Yeah. You just had to get enough votes, you know. Yeah. Like more, It was as much a political campaign back then as it was winning or losing. And well, you had to win first, but you, you know that goes without saying. But uh, now sure. you have to win a national championship, and uh, and like Dabo, I remember Dabo before the in the press conference last year before the game, the last press conference out in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, we brought up that 1966 Alabama team, which was undefeated, uh, and didn't win, didn't get a chance to play for the national championship because some voters decided that a 10-10 tie between Notre Dame and Michigan State. Uh, said <laughs> yeah. enough, and then Notre Dame went and beat the USC uh, convincingly, and uh, and then Notre Dame was awarded the national championship. They didn't even go to a bowl game that year. That's how screwed up things were back then, Briley. But that's uh, crazy. But yeah, now you have to play for it, and uh, just like you have to play for a, a conference championship, and that's the difference now is uh, you got to do it on the field if if you yeah. get invited. Yeah, you still have to get invited. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, don't ask Cincinnati that. They don't, you know, they don't want to hear that necessarily. Yeah, well, uh, devil got a point, you know. When you put your team in jeopardy, uh, something can happen. We all know that about college football. Strange things happen. But I go back to this, you know, uh, Clemson was able to, quote, right or wrong uh, this year. Uh, a lot of other teams didn't have that, uh, didn't have that chance. So very true. You know, in many respects, Clemson is as lucky to be in it in the sense of, having another shot at it is Ohio State is. Yeah, no, that's true. And we're very thankful that they can at least be playing. And uh, like you said, we have a playoff and uh, there's a lot of graveling and, and uh, uh, discontentment with the system right now. But hey, no, I think let me can throw be one other thing in there. I vote, I, yeah. I, I, I vote on the Heisman Trophy and we're not allowed to uh, say who we voted for yet. But let me okay. just put it this way. Trevor Lawrence was extremely high on my ballot. And uh, okay, I think this guy's been remarkable. Um, you know, I had uh, Urban Meyer on my podcast uh, last week just talking about just how what a great player this young man is. I'm talking about Trevor Lawrence, you know, and how, you know, along with other everything else, how fast he is when he really decides to run. I think Ohio State found that out yeah. last year on that uh, the, the play that I thought was the real was the real game changer in that play when he nothing else was really working for uh, Clemson. So he takes it the. You know, he takes it half the length of the field to get him back in it right after yeah. John Wade got knocked out of the game. But my point is, uh, you know, this we're going to see two remarkable quarterbacks playing on Friday night again. And that was a pretty damn good, uh, pretty damn good deal that they put on, put on in the desert a year ago. 
Yeah, it's going to be fun and good. I'm I, I'm glad to hear that about uh, Trevor Lawrence. See, Ohio State and Clemson people can come together. It, it can happen, you know. Well, but you know, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields fought for this season, if you remember correctly. I mean, they it's fought true. for it. And uh, not a, not a lot of kids out there have the wherewithal or even the moxie to pull off what they did just to get to play this year. Uh, Absolutely. You know, making sure everybody understood, hey, football is different. That's where I agree with Dabo too, man. Dabo. Uh, in a lot of ways, he puts it into words. I mean, uh, this is giving people who otherwise are holed up in their houses or don't get to go to games and stuff. It's still still football on television. It's still pretty cool, even even if most of the crowd noise is fake. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm very thankful for it. And it's been a fun season. And listen, it's it's super cool that actually I know Trevor Lawrence gets the lion's share of the credit for, you know, from a player standpoint, getting the season to come back. But Justin Fields deserves just as much credit, oh, yeah. and it's really cool to see that they're going to be battling it out in the playoff after they work so hard to save the season. And that's that's a really cool matchup, and we can we can put aside our differences uh, about the teams that we like, and and at least be thankful for um, the work that those two young men put into bringing the season back for sure. So. Uh, we're we're very thankful for that and looking forward to it. So, hey, tell us about your podcast real quick. And uh, and uh, I listened to a, the Urban Meyer episode and the last episode you did as well. And I think it'd be great for Clemson fans to to uh, check that out in preview of the game. So, tell us about those episodes. Yeah, I had Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer, and Eddie George on my last podcast. We were talking about uh, Eddie. Like I said, lost that twenty five. Uh, as I told him, I said, you know that. 25 years with a, a single game rushing record. That's a pretty good shelf life, you know, but he watched Trey Thurman <laughs> take that away. But, uh, you know, he knows, Eddie knows what it takes. Uh, you know, he knows the challenge Ohio State is facing this week. Uh, Urban Meyer pointed out, he goes, you know, Ohio State has not faced an offense anywhere near as good uh, on a complete basis as Clemson's is this year. There have been some, you know, for whatever, whatever reason in the Big Ten, uh, there have been some hit or misses by some big time yeah. teams. You, know, you take that Big Ten East, you take Ohio State off the top of it, and it looks upside down this year. I mean, it's crazy. It's uh, kind of weird. How, how weird this year has been. And then, uh, you know, and uh, Urban, you know, Urban Meyer, you know, he does Fox, the big noon kickoff and stuff. He knows how good uh, Clemson is. Uh, and then, of course, this week I've got uh, uh, two two stars from Ohio State's last win, or excuse me, first win in the college football playoffs, which is 2014 when they beat Alabama in the Superdome, upset Alabama in the Superdome. And uh, Tyvis Powell had intercepted the last pass to the end zone and ran it out (laughs) just for fun. And then, uh, of course, Evan Spencer, who produced uh, three of the great plays in Ohio State football history, all in one game in that game. That was a game when all these different players just stepped up and made plays and and knocked off unbeatable Alabama, you know. So, uh, and then they basically talk about the challenge for Ohio State, but also you know, what they would be telling the Ohio State players uh, before this game if they had the chance about what it takes in these situations. And that's what's cool, man. This is like versus like. You know, these are these are yeah. top three, top three or four consistently uh, recruiting classes going at each other uh, on national television. You know, it doesn't get much better than this if you're if you're into college football like I am and like you are. Absolutely. I 
there are very few matchups that I've looked forward to as much as this one. And uh, that's it's like we said, it's fun to have it this year and it's going to be it's going to be a great matchup. They've always been close. Well, for the most part, the last couple have been close, at least, or the last one was close. <laughs> Sorry, I should say. So uh, let's hope we get that on Friday as well. So to all our listeners, be sure to check those episodes out They're They're super fun. As a Clemson fan, I listen to them and they're fun to listen to. Great way to preview uh, this game and go and be sure to follow Tim on Twitter at Tim underscore May Sports as well for some good insight on this game. So Tim, thanks for taking the time to join us. And uh, I hope, uh, I, I wish you the best of luck and uh, good luck for the 2021 as well. Oh, I appreciate it, man. And by the way, did you ever see Old Brother Where Art Thou? The movie? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I have seen it. Yeah. I like your microphone there. It reminds me of when the guy says, sing into the can. Sing into the can. <laughs> That's true. I haven't thought about that. Yeah, I'm going to need to go back and watch that movie to check it we out. We thought so. you was a toad. <laughs> hey probably enjoyed it man thanks hey appreciate the time thanks too time for briley and carter to answer the important questions surrounding the clemson tigers in a little game we like to call clems in or clems out All right, I want to say a quick thanks to Tim again for coming on the show. Make sure to go check his stuff out and to follow him on Twitter. All right, let's go ahead and close this episode out with some Clemps in or Clemps out. Next question. In or out, has Dabo done a good job of embracing the villain role? I love this question. And if you had asked me, I don't know, like three or four years ago, if we would be asking this question, I would have laughed at you. Like, Dabo Sweeney was the most likable coach in America when he was the underdog and Clemson was the underdog. And they were overmatched against uh, Alabama and taking them to the wire. Uh, But things have changed. Clemson is now its own Death Star after taking down Alabama's Death Star. And they're the two most uh, unstoppable programs in college football, I think is the best way to put it. And in general, I think people are just tired of seeing Clemson. Obviously, we're not. Uh, tired of seeing them in the in the uh, playoffs and in the championship, but people are tired of it. And I've been hearing a lot and reading a lot of people calling Dabo uh, and his personality a shtick and uh, looking down on people and being holier than thou. And it's funny that that's changed from him being a genuine and fun guy to listen to to now everybody hating him because they think he's disingenuous and this is all an act and he and he's putting on at this point. And to some degree, I think he, uh, right now, I think he is with the Ohio State stuff. Uh, just the things that he's saying, it's it's sort of unusual for Dabo to be giving them bulletin board material and to continue with it. Like I've heard Dabo say some of these things before and, and throw in jabs every now and then, sort of like the Steve Spurrier, like where he throws them in sometimes after the game or, or you know, when he feels like, he, you know, he just has the upper hand, he'll throw it in there. But he's really like, plunging the knife in and twisting it at this point. He's not given up on the six game thing with Ohio State. And uh, he's just continued with it, which by the way, I love, okay? The idea that there's some real saltiness between Clemson and Ohio State just makes this game even more juicy and spicy. And uh, we need more of that in college football. We need we need some more fun villains like Lane Kiffin and all these guys out there. I'm not saying that Dabo is becoming Lane Kiffin, but it's just more interesting and fun when we have these personalities. And Dabo, I mean, if you're asking me if he's doing a great job of embracing the villain role, then I'm Clemson in on this. 
I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll continue this, but he obviously has some sore feelings towards Ohio State, and he knows that they feel the same way about Clemson. And so he's sort of, he's needling them a little bit, which again is unusual, but I love it. And so I, I'm Clemson on, in on it. And I think my fa- the favorite thing, my favorite thing that he said is that uh, he, he thought he could run for the governor of Michigan <laughs> because uh, so many people in Ohio hate him. And we just heard from Tim how much uh, they are sort of annoyed by him. And, and really, it, it's, it's just a weird turn of uh, turn of uh, circumstances for Dabo, the fact that he's now the villain in college football. So it'll be interesting. You know, I think the person in my mind that this reminds me of a little bit and obviously totally different situations, but it was uh, LeBron. And how he was uh, a really he was a loved player in the NBA, and then after the decision, he became the most hated player in the in the NBA, and people were burning his jerseys and all these things. And he didn't hate it. like he he's been honest about how that made him uncomfortable, and he wasn't sure how to deal with that. And so, Dabo seems to be comfortable enough in his own skin to be okay with that. But how comfortable is he going to be with the villain role? I don't know how cut out he is because. Listen, we all know that Dabo is actually a genuine guy and a good person, and uh, his players this week have come to bat for him on those things. Uh, but how comfortable is he with that? And he, is is he going to back off on this sort of thing uh, in, I don't know, the coming years or the or uh, next year at all? We'll see. It'll be interesting. So I'm Clemson that he's <clears throat> done a good job of embracing this role, and uh, let's hope he continues it. All right, Becky, what's the next question you have for us? Next question. In or out? Is it better that Trevor Lawrence will now be drafted by the Jaguars instead of the Jets? Now that is a good football question right there. The poor, poor, poor New York football giants, Jets, excuse me, not Giants, uh, have done a beautiful and excellent job of Jetsing their chances of getting uh, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it's it's in, they've submarined their chances. There's no chance now. The Jaguars will have the first pick in the NFL draft, which means that Trevor Lawrence will be playing for the Jags instead of the Jets. And I must say that I am Clemson that this is a much better situation for Trevor Lawrence to be going into because I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy to play for the New York Jets. That organization is a dumpster fire. Adam Gase is the worst coach in the NFL by far. It's not even close. And that organization is just a mess. I mean, they can't, they just can't put any success together. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, expect them to be able to surround Trevor Lawrence with players that would make him successful. I wouldn't expect them to, to be able to develop him, to put the right people in a place to help him and to make him successful. So uh, I'm not saying that I have a, you know, the low, the bar is set so low with the Jets that really anyone uh, would uh, be a better uh, situation for Trevor. And I think the Jaguars certainly fit the bill in there in that situation. But, um, you know, I just think the Jaguars, it, it's a much better situation for him. And uh, I think he'll find a little bit more success down there. And obviously he gets to stay closer to home, which is nice as well. And uh, maybe we could even make it out to some Jacksonville games, which will be fun. Uh, the bigger the bigger travesty with uh, Trevor in the news this week is that uh, he was named to the third team All American uh, team, which 
great. That's that's awesome for him. But this now means that he will go his entire career and not be named to the first team All-American, which is insane when you think when you think about it. Probably the most pro-ready and most talented quarterback in college football history. There's, you know, it's debatable, but he's right up there. Will have never made uh, a first team All-American. Uh, you know the the first team All American team. That's a that's a hard thing to say. I, I struggle with that, but um, I digress. But it, it's just it's strange. I mean, I'm not saying a lot of times those things are built on circumstances. I mean, of course you had uh, Tua and 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 Joe Burrow last year, and and uh, the year before that you have uh, Kyler Murray and all these you know these these guys who are just putting up crazy numbers. And so it, it's more a matter of circumstance. And just the way that Dabo plays Trevor at this point, he wasn't set up to win the Heisman or to be named to the first team All-American team. I mean, it's just not... It, the way that they run the program is not set up that way. So, you know, we've, criti- we've criticized that to a degree, uh, but we're thankful that Trevor at least was named to the third team this year, and it's just unfortunate. Now, someone who was named to the first team was Travis Etienne, and uh, he was named there for because of his all as the all-purpose player on that team. So congrats to, to uh, Travis on that accomplishment. And uh, this goes to show that he hasn't had a great rushing year, but he's become such a threat as a wide receiver that he does he commanded uh, that place on the on the uh, All-American team, the first team. So uh, congrats to Travis, con- congrats to Trevor, and uh, congrats to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars as well. Okay, Becky, what's the last question you have for me? Next question. In or out? Are you tired of coaches complaining about Brent Venable stealing signs? All right, I've been Clemson with both the questions so far, I guess. So uh, I'm going to be Clemson out, but only because I'll take a strange angle at this question. <laughs> And uh, I'll be Columbus out because I love when coaches complain about this. I love when coaches complain about the fact that uh, Brent Venables and the defense and Clemson is stealing signs from them. Oh, no, it's this boogeyman. And there's actually been a lot of uh, pen to paper about this topic this year. You know, SI did a big cover story about it. The Athletic did a big cover story about uh, signs or uh, sign stealing in college football. It's a big deal, and uh, it's very different than than baseball, you know, where it's like the cardinal sin to be stealing signs. But it's all fair game, apparently, in college football. And so the fact that uh, coaches are complaining about it is a good sign for Clemson because they're gaining that advantage competitively, and we'll take that for sure. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it is that it, it it's sort of, in a way, when when coaches bring it up, then it's sort of takes away from the fact that Brent Venables is an amazing developer of talent and and an amazing play caller. And sure, some of that has to do with the fact that uh, Clemson has an army of analysts and uh, coordinators and assistant coaches who are paying attention to these things and are really good, apparently, at stealing signs. So that's great, but don't take away from the fact that Brent Venables is an amazing coach and an amazing defensive coordinator. And sometimes I feel like coaches bring that up to say, you know, to take that away from him or to, to slight him in some way. So that's the only thing I don't like about it. But I'm clumps out on the question because I'm not tired of it. Like, cry more, okay? Please do. I love hearing Ryan Day sarcastically mentioned this week uh, that uh, Brent Venable, you know, they're going to be preparing for it and things like that. Like, it's not a secret anymore. So please complain about it more. Like, 
you wouldn't be complaining about it if you could do it better. You just you're, you just don't. So uh, I love hearing coaches like that cry about it and get upset about it. And uh, Miami did it earlier this year. Uh, Georgia Tech did it earlier this year. And of course, we put up 73 points in Georgia Tech. So uh, let's hope the same thing happens this week. But I'll be clumped out. I'm not tired of it. And I forever hope that coaches are complaining that we're stealing their signs because that means we are doing uh, something that is within the rules or even the gray area and getting that competitive advantage. So uh, I'll be clumped out. Okay, Becky, thanks for pulling that together for us. Uh, as we close this episode out, I'll give you my prediction. I think it's going to be 45 to 28 Clemson. I think it'll be close uh, in the first half. Clemson has always started out kind of slowly in these games for some reason. And uh, we've seen that uh, as the season has gone on, that they've started games slowly. Uh, And I think Ohio State is going to have some success with uh, Justin Fields and the running game and uh, the passing game when they get Chris Olave back as well. And so I wouldn't be surprised if this game is like a 17-17 or 17-21 type of game going into halftime and then Clemson turns on the Jets. And uh, I, I really think the matchup to be watching for is Trevor Lawrence against the Ohio State secondary. And I think we wear them down or Trevor just does Trevor things and he uh, breaks the game open and, uh, you know, Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers get going. And uh, so I expect uh, for Clemson to win by a couple of scores. And, uh, you know, I hope it's a good game, at least at least in the first half. But I'd like for it not to be a heart, you know, a heart pounding close game at the end because, it's fun, but uh, I'll take a I'll take a, a blowout or a or a, a comfortable win at this point. So let's say 45-28. That's my prediction, and we will see what happens. So obviously the game is this Friday, so enjoy that. But be sure to join us again on Monday. We will recap uh, whatever happens, whether it's good or bad. We will be here for you to give you the top takeaways and uh, the biggest plays, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. We always have fun. Thanks for joining us for this ridiculous episode, really. And uh, thanks again to Tim May for joining us as well so we will uh we'll you know hope you enjoy the game on friday we'll see you on monday until then be good out there good bamboo be all in on the best clemson podcast around by subscribing on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your podcast and while you're there it'd be cool if you left us a positive review